Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Tonight, what we're going to be talking about, you know, I've got a title for it, is One Word from God. Amen. Hallelujah. James one twenty two. Thank you, Mr. Michael. Uh, James one twenty two tells us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Let me quantify that just a little bit more. Be doers of the word, not readers only. Sometimes we read it, you know, but that's as far as it gets. You know, it's just, it doesn't make it past, past the eye zone, you know. But he says to be a doer of the word. You know, and sometimes we, we tend to look at this as a, as a whole, but many times it's a single word from God that we need to follow at any particular moment. A single word. You know, and um, if you go over to uh, Hebrews 4.12, it says, But the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That word, the word, is the spoken word, the rhema word. It's sharp, it's quick, it's powerful. And Isaiah fifty five eleven says, So shall my word, the spoken word that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I have sent it. And then he quoted Joshua twenty one forty five. God's word does not fail. Every word that comes out of his mouth does not fail. Where do you see the biggest, most expansive view of the fact that God's word, just one word from God, is a powerful thing? I can tell you exactly where. It's called Genesis 1-3. Let there be light. And there was light. You know, it's, and that's really the way the word of God is supposed to be all the time. When you speak... Because the word of God is God. It's the word that comes from God, but it is the word of God. And so when you begin to speak what God speaks, you can expect the same results that God got when he spoke the same thing. That's kind of outlandish, Pastor Angela. No, it's not. He's put that same ability in us because the ability is, is really in the word, not in us. That's where the power is. It's in the word. And the words spoken from a place of faith will bring the same results. You think God was in faith when he said, let there be light? Yeah, yeah, he, he was. And he expects us to follow his example and do the same exact things with the word that he gives us. Hallelujah. You know, it's vital that we act on the written word. It is. But it's also just as, as vital that we act on the spoken word. You know, and sometimes when we, the spoken word can be coming from the pulpit. You know, it, it, could, be, it could be something that, that is read you know, from the pulpit, that's elaborated from the pulpit. And yet there are also times when I see that, that the spoken word of God, just what you hear in your own heart is just as vital it's just as powerful because God spoke it to you. You know, you've got a lot of things in the Bible that you can go to as reference. You don't need God to speak a word to you about something he's already got written in the word. 
Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Do you need a special word from God to understand that? There's a whole lot of stuff in there that are pretty clearly laid out that you don't need to have God just come at you with a thus saith the Lord kind of a thing. You know, it's already there. But because we live life that doesn't always have a specific word about a specific action that we need to take, God will talk to you. He will talk to you through the word that's spoken from a pulpit. He will talk to you about something that's being spoken from the pulpit. And he could speak something directly to you. He could, he could speak to you through somebody else. They're not even quoting the Bible necessarily. But he can speak to you through them. And if you recognize that as being a word from God then that's the spoken word to you that you need to act on. I, I remember when we were building the house. I mean, I, I didn't want to leave my last house. I loved that house. We had put a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and money in that house. And it was finally the way we wanted it. And I came to the realization one day that either I was going to either have a house or a husband because keeping up the maintenance in that place, you know, was killing him. Literally, it was wearing him out physically, and I decided I did love my husband more than the house. So, so I begrudgingly, aren't you glad? <laughs> Are you thinking about it? <laughs> he, he's wondering how, how, how much of a balance was there that she had to shift, you know? <laughs> but, you know, I, I, you know it, was, it was a house that I loved, and we had put a lot of work and a lot of effort into it. And I, and I, you know, and I said, I, I did it, but... But I just, you know, I knew that was the thing to do. And, and yet when the day came that we finally walked out of it for the last time, I sat and boo-hooed. I missed that house. And somebody said something to me during the next couple of years when we were looking and then building. And they, they said something to me that was just, you wouldn't think anything of it, but I knew that was God. They said downsize does not mean downgrade. And I hung on to that for the rest of the building project of that house. And I just determined that everything I wanted in that house, I was going to have. I was, the same person said, I'm proud of you. Because, listen, folks, if you know me at all, you know I am a dollars, dollar girl. I know where my cents are. And I'm going to make the most of every penny I've got. And I'm not going to waste it. And, and I'm going to... Somebody said, you know, that she's so tight it'd make, she'd make a penny squeal. So, you know, it, just, it was just that thing that I, you know, I just, I just finally let go, number one, of the care of it all. And just, just that was a word from God for me. It didn't come out of the Bible. It wasn't scripture. It wasn't John so-and-so. You know, but it was just, it was a word from God. that I, I realized that was God talking to me. There are times when people will say something to you that you will immediately know that is God talking to me. And if that's the case, you can hang on to it until you got exactly what you want out of it and not let go. You know, I got to the place where, okay, so we want to do this. Well, we're going to put that off. Well, no, let's just do it now. And God brought in finances from some of the craziest places I have ever seen to pay for all the extra stuff I wanted. 
It was, it was truly the most amazing process. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I just said, oh, yeah, okay, just fine. Go ahead and do it. Just fine. You know, just, just do it, whatever. You know, without asking how much will this cost. I think my husband was in shock that I wasn't asking how much will this cost. <laughs> you know, I, I, got my, I got my driveway, my paved driveway. He got his library. You know, we, we did all kinds of things. That I did, we didn't start that project with, but somebody said something to me that sparked something in me because it was God. And I wound up with, with all that and more. And, and God provided the finances. And so downsize did not mean downgrade. And it didn't take me too long to figure out, hey, that old house, it was old, honey. It was a good time to leave it. It was in great shape. Somebody got it at a good price, and we moved on. And I'm happy where I am. You know, God never asks you to do anything or leads you to do anything that you're not going to be happy about in the end. You know, and, and you know, just today, having paid off the house, I just, I'm just going, I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful. You know, that, that we went through that process, you know, and, and, uh, and God held my hand through some of it, you know, and said, it's okay. It's going to be okay. You just watch and see. And he was right. But you know what? Sometimes we just need to act on that spoken word that he's, that he's given to us. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, he, um, he can be very specific about specific situations, just like my house. Very specific about that. And, and honestly, if, you know, if we're listening, there's a lot of times that God is going to be very specific with you about a word for you in any situation you're going to come up against. Sometimes he's going to tell you some things that you don't even know is coming, but it's there when you need it. You just go back, ah, I've already, I've already got instruction. I've already got a word on that. I don't have to wonder about that at all because he's, he's, already, he's already provided the word that I need for now. This is amazing. Then that's just like God. But you know, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see a lot of places where somebody acted on a, a word from God. Go with me to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. These Old Testament saints, I marvel at them. They didn't, they didn't have what you and I have on the inside of us. And yet they were obedient to what God spoke to them. You know, and uh, here in, in Genesis chapter 6, and in verse uh, 14, God came to Noah and he said, make an ark of gopher wood. Make an ark. And then he gave you some, some instructions on how to make it. And if you go down to verse 22, it says, thus did Noah. God said, thus did Noah. How many of us can say that we're always on it? God said, and thus did Angela. God said, and thus did Steve. God said, and thus did whatever your name is. How many times can we say that we were always quick to do what God said? I'll be honest with you. You know, I, I, hope, my, I hope my odds, my, my ratios are a little better than the, the not doing it. You know, I trust that they are because God's been good. But you, then you go on in, in verse uh, chapter 12. Abraham, this man was an established man in his country. 
And But in verse 1, it says, the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And then what happened in verse 4? So Abraham departed. Abram departed. God said, get up and get out. And Abram departed. Did he understand what he was, where he was going? No, he didn't. He just knew God said, get out. Get your stuff and get out. And he, and he departed. He, he got on the road. Didn't know where he was going, but he just felt, felt like he had led. Now, let me say this. When God speaks a specific word to somebody, that does not mean it's your word. Okay? I've had this scripture thrown at us more times than one when somebody was offended and left the church. Oh, well, God said to go to a place that we did not know of. And I'm just going, no, that's not God. That was Abram. You're not Abram. You're not Abram. So you need to be careful that you try to use some word that somebody gave, God gave somebody else and try to assume that it's your word to justify what you want to do. Little soapbox there for the moment. We'll get to some more, I'm sure, later. Uh, so, so listen, there are times when God will speak to you and there are a lot of reasons why he will give you certain directions. And when he does, it's not a good idea to say, yeah, but, you know, I've got something else to do until next week. I can't do that right now. Or, well, that doesn't really fit into my plans. You know, I've got, I've got a five-year plan here. That doesn't fit into my plan. I've got this. I've got, you know, it's, not, it's really not really a good idea to argue with God about something. You know, if you're, going to, if you're going to trust him, number one, you start off knowing that as a child of God, you are not your own. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to him. And he has a right to tell you what you need to do next. Now, the downside of this is that you have a choice. You can choose to obey or you can choose to not obey. But he has a right to speak into your life. He has a right to give you direction. He has a right to correct you. And you have to decide what to do with it at any particular time, any particular moment, in any given situation, it's your choice. He's left it up to you. But, you know, as in the Old Testament, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. He, choose life. Choose the right thing. Why? Because it'll go well with you. Disobedience will cost you more than you want to pay and take you places you don't want to go. And you won't realize it a lot of times until you get there and go, oh, no, no, this is, this is not what I had in mind. Well, he was trying to help you. But if you're going to make, the, make the, the life that you want to be, have the success that it needs to be and should be, you need to listen to what God tells you to do. So we've got a great example of the domino effect if you, in, with Elijah. So go with me over to 1 Kings. Hallelujah. We're going to start in the 17th chapter. Hallelujah. The 17th chapter, the verse 1, you know, suddenly Elijah comes on the scene. We, we have no idea where he came from. We have no idea what his background was. We have no history here. He just, he's just here in, in 17 verse 1. And what does he do? God tells him to go talk to Ahab. Now, Ahab was a horrendous king. He did more evil than any of his predecessors. And God says, you go tell Ahab 
that there's not going to be any more rain until I say so. And so what does he do? He goes and tells Ahab what God had said to say to him. In verses 3 and verse 4, immediately after he tells Ahab this, the word of the Lord came back to him and saying, in verse 2 says, get yourself to the brook Cherith that's beyond Jordan, and it shall be that you shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. God's always got a there for you. He's got a specific place for you to be so that the blessings can flow. Um, it's interesting, you know, that he didn't, he didn't balk at it. He just went to where he was supposed to go. And, you know, I, I, I find out when, um, when you look at this, it's kind of like, like a quarterback in a football game. The quarterback is not throwing it to the, to the receiver over here. He's throwing it to where the receiver is supposed to be. He's counting on the receiver to get where that ball is going to go. See, God already had provision planned for Elijah. But Elijah had to get himself to the there. That's where the blessing was. There will always be provision in the place God tells you to be. And it will always be there ahead of you. It'll always be waiting for you. He won't be late. You know, you won't have to wonder, you know, is it going to get there on time? No, he's going to drop that ball in your hands as soon as you get there. You know, and it'll it'll be just perfect. You know, a perfect pass, you know, and catch it over your shoulder, whatever, you know. But the the place is, is important. It's always important. And so he told him, to, do you go? You, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So that's exactly what he did. So he stayed there till the brook started drying up. Did you know there's a natural and a supernatural part to everything God instructs you to do? To every word he gives you, there's a natural and a supernatural part. For, for Elijah here, you know, the, the natural part was he was there by a brook. There was water and the ravens were bringing him food. But eventually that brook dried up. Ah, now it's, time for a, now it's time for another word from God. So what did God do? Gave him another word. If you, in verse 9, he tells him to go to Zarephath. And he said, I've commanded a widow woman to feed you and to sustain you. Where? There. And so he did. In fact, is, um, you know, can you imagine when somebody comes up to you and says, I need you to make me a cake, and she's going, I've only got a little meal and a little bit of oil. That's all I've got. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in. I'm going to make it and I'm, me for me and my son. Then we're going to die. And he tells her. You know, there was, there was a natural part. This woman had to be in the right place when Elijah came. The supernatural part was when he told her, you go make me a cake, she responded. That's the supernatural part. And so when she did, she went in and she made, made him the little cake. She brought it out to him. And what happened? Every time she went in there, there was more flour. Every time she went in, there was more oil. Do you ever think she might have been tempted to go, whoa, this is amazing. It took her a while. If you read on down to the chapter, when her son was raised and said, surely you're a prophet. Honey, you didn't figure that out when the oil and the flour didn't run out? You know, I'm thinking, you're a little slow. But, but there was a natural and a supernatural part to that. Then you go on, and then Elijah, in, in chapter 18, verse 1, God told him, go show yourself to Ahab. Ahab was not his friend. 
because there had been no rain. So Ahab was not happy. In fact, he'd been scouring the countryside trying to find Elijah. Now, the guy who was head of his household, Obadiah, finally came upon Elijah, and he said, Ah, don't you know Ahab's looking for you? Don't don't you know this? And he tried to get him to, to go away because he knew what Ahab had in mind. Elijah already had a word from God. So he uh, went up to, to oh, Mr. Ahab, Mr. King Ahab, and uh, because he had God on it, he just walked up to him, and Ahab said, Are you the man that troubles Israel? There's been no rain. You know, the last word he got from Elijah, there's not going to be any rain again until I say so. And so now he said, Are you you're the guy who's causing all the trouble? And Elijah looked at him, and boy, I'm thinking, boy, you got some nerve here, buddy. But what he had was God. What he, he said, he said, I've not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house, and that you've forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed Baal. He threw it right back at him because he had a word from God. Do you think that just came out of him? No, it came, it came as a word from God. Well, the boldness to speak the truth to Ahab, he wasn't the least bit intimidated by what Ahab was, was threatening. He, he knew he'd been searching for him. He knew he wasn't happy with him. And in those days, you know, the king could do what he pleased. He could have you killed tomorrow. It's okay. And nobody would say a word about it. But here, you know, we go on through the story, and you see where the, the prophets of Baal come up, and then fire comes down from heaven, and the sacrifices are all burned up, and the water licked up. And, you know, it's just it's an amazing thing. And Elijah kills all these prophets. Well, along comes Miss Jezebel, in verse in chapter 19. And so she makes some threats and off he goes. Would have been nice if he had waited for a word from God. But he didn't. Off he went. You know, you'd think, of course, you know, we can't really fault some of these people in the Old Testament. We see all these wonderful things that happened and the things that God did through them. We can't really fault them for just suddenly having a breakdown, you know, after, after all these marvelous things that happened. Because we do the same thing. We have marvelous interventions in our life. We have marvelous episodes of sustaining us, you know, through things that, that, are, that are, I mean, immense in our lives. And then we turn right around and start whining about something that's not going exactly the way we want it to go. So, I mean, you can't really fault him. But, uh, you know, here he is. He's fled for his life. In the early part of chapter 19, you know, the the angels came to him and told him to eat and drink and and that he would need it for the strength. And so he went and he journeyed for 40 days and 40 nights in the strength of what he ate there by that brook. And uh, in in chapter 19, verse 9, an interesting question came from the Lord. At the end of that, that verse, it says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Hmm. Probably is a good indication that you are not where you are supposed to be. If God ever asks you, what are you doing here? You're in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing. I remember several years ago, Pastor had gone skiing with the boys, and, and uh, he found himself in a place that he is, he's not the skier that the guys are. And so he didn't need to try doing some of the things they did. And so he found himself in a particular place on, on a ski trail. And, and he looked around and didn't, the Lord said to you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, he knew that he didn't need to necessarily question that. It's like, I need to get out of here. I'm not supposed to be here. Elijah should have done the same thing. 
but he didn't. He made excuses for what he was doing there. And uh, here, if you go on in verse 11, uh, God told him to stand on the mount and to look. And he would show, he said, there long came a fire, or wind that is, and then an earthquake, and then a fire. And it says God was not in any of those. But after the fire came a still, small voice. Sometimes somebody like Elijah, I, I suspect this is true of him, got so used to the spectacular that he forgot about just the supernatural. When God speaks to you, it's a supernatural thing. You know, we equate this to that inward witness that we have from the Holy Spirit on the inside of us as new creations. You know, God's not on all this outward, external stuff. He's in that still, small place. That place right here where you don't have to have a huge, you know, a circumstance to say, I, I am God. You know, people will come to church a lot of times going, I need a word from God today. Well, you know, you, you got a whole bunch of words right here. You know, there's a, there's a whole lot. You know, they want somebody to call them out of a crowd, you know, and read their mail and tell them exactly what they need to do when all they got to do is look to the inside and see what God's got for them on the inside. You know, there's been some of the most dramatic and... Um, um, what's the word I want to use? Um, defining moments in the life of this church that, that our pastor has done based on nothing but that inward witness. In your life, some of the momentous decisions you will ever make, you will make based on nothing more than the inward witness. And why is that so necessary? Because down the road when the enemy tries to come back and tell you that you didn't hear God, you say, yes, I did. I did hear God. I know exactly what he said to me. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do because of what he said to me. You need, you need to know that, that that is supernatural. And that it is absolutely God. There is nothing else involved in that except God. Hallelujah. Uh, if you go on after that, then God came back a second time and said, he, by the, I suspect that what he was expecting... Elijah to do is say, okay, Lord, I blew it. You know, I'm, I'm, I've made a mess out of myself here, and I haven't been trusting you, and, and I'll, I'll get myself right back to where I'm supposed to be, and, and what, what do you got for me next? No. No, he made excuses. And so God came back to him in verse 13 and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What did he do? He made more excuses. You know what? It's best for you not to make excuses. Best for you just to say, what, what do you have to say to me, Lord? What, I'm, I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to hear. I'm ready to obey. Just, just, just tell me what to do. And so, you know, he, he still didn't, didn't own up to his own lack of trust where God was concerned. He wasn't open to hearing God. And how do I know that? Because in the next verse... Over in verse 15, it says, The Lord said to go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you come over, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshai, shall you anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of whatever that name is, shall thou anoint to be prophet in your room or in your place. He didn't do two of the things he was told to do. The only one of the three things he did that he was told to do was to anoint Elisha. 
You know, I, I was reading something today from somebody, a, another author, and they said that Elisha really wasn't, you can, this is, you know, their conjecture, Elisha really wasn't God's first choice. That all along God intended to use Elijah to continue the job that he'd started Elijah doing. But because Elijah wouldn't get back to where he needed to be, ready to hear and obey. And you see that he didn't obey. He was given three things to do, three specific things, and he only did one of the three. Maybe he was just tired and ready to check out. Swing low, sweet chariot. You know, I, don't, I don't know. But it sure seems to me like, like he just kind of dropped the ball and was ready to just like give up, give in, hand it over to Elisha. But, you know, that's not what we need to do. You know, don't fail the test. When God comes along, he says, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? He's not just trying to get on your case. He's trying to get you to see what you need to see to make the adjustments that you need to make. And, and he may give you a second chance, you know, to come back to you and just try again to get your attention so that you will take this and do something with it. Uh, but it just, it just tells me that obedience is a, is a major, major part of this. You know, even failure to act on the word that you've already got is going to keep you from hearing what the next step is. Failure to hear, failure to, to, uh, to obey what you've already been given is going to keep you from hearing what's next. Listen, you don't need to be taking a next step until you've done this step because everything God does is progressive. Everything is progressive. He builds on one thing to another. Your decision today, whether you make the right decision or not, is going to impact greatly what he's able to tell you to do next week. You know, that's why it's so important for us as parents to make sure our children learn to obey the first time we tell them to do something. Not the second, not the third, not the tenth. Don't be counting down from ten. You know, I've heard people do, I'm going to count to 10. If you haven't done what I told you to do by the time, then you're going to, I'm going to do this, whatever. You know, and it's going, no, you need to teach your child, bring them up in such a way that they learn to obey you the first time you give them instruction. Because that way they will learn to obey God the first time he gives them instruction. And that day comes a whole lot sooner than you and I think a lot of times in their lives, when they're out at school, when they're out on the playground, when they're out with friends, when they're out from under your supervision, there are times when God will give them immediate instructions that needs to be obeyed immediately. They need to learn that first and foremost from you so they'll obey it when it comes to the things of God. You know, prosperity is, is one of those kind of things that's progressive. You know, prosperity, you know, I, I went back and I was thinking to myself, okay, Second Thessalonians, what is it, 310 says, if you won't work, you don't eat. You want to be prosperous? Get a job. Amen. You think God's going to sit there and pour, you know, money out of heaven on you? No. You think God's going to tell all these people that, you know, may or may not know you to, to fund you? No. Deuteronomy says he'll bless all that you set your hand to. Get yourself up and go find a job. 
If you don't have enough money coming in, go find a job. If you've already got a job, now's a good time to start believing God for a better job or a better pay increase. There are ways to do this. But the first premise that a lot of people need to know and hear today is get a job. And then once you have a job, you know, okay, I've got these issues, Father. You know, I, I need help with this. I need that. There are times when he'll give you some instruction like stop spending so much money. There are some, there are some actions that you need to address and adjust so that he can prosper you. I remember the time when we had a lot of credit card debt. And one day, Lord said, uh-uh, no more, no more. And, and so we put a halt to every bit of spending on a credit card. If we couldn't pay for it in cash, we didn't buy it. And we gradually whittled away at that credit card debt until it was gone. And I haven't paid a penny of interest on credit cards since that day. But what God was teaching me and teaching us was how to discipline our flesh. And if you don't learn that somewhere along the line, ain't no amount of prosperity is going to keep you out of the hole. You, God can't, I said this in a money class one time years ago, no amount of faith can make up for poor money management. No amount of faith is going to supersede your, your inability to not have to have everything you put your eyes on. You know, it's, it's, I've got a car with 150,000 miles on it, but my choice was to pay off a house, not have a car. Now the house is paid off, we'll see. You know, I'm fine with my car. i got no problem with it. But hey, we'll just see. But there are times when God needs you to, to stop. There are instructions he will give you that it's, it's the cause of your prosperity not being what it ought to be. It's because of bad decisions. Same thing with health. Now I don't want to step on too many toes because I'll step on my own. There are times when God will, instead of you getting in the word and, and, and talking about, you know, okay, quoting all these scriptures about your health and all this kind of stuff, God might have something to say like, you need to change, make some lifestyle changes. You need, you need certain parts of your body need, need healing. Well, if you do this, that part of your body would line up. It would. I could, I could meddle. I won't. I won't. Listen, God loves you no matter what. But your lack of obedience and your lack of, uh, of willingness to hear what he has to say to you only makes it hard on you. That's all. just makes it hard on you. Um, I've got four minutes and another whole page. Can we just stop and then we'll just come back to it next week? Are you all okay with that? Hallelujah. But, I, you know, I guess, you know, God put this on my heart several weeks ago, and I've been trying to figure out how to put this down, and I'm not sure it's coming out exactly the way I, it needs to, but, um, but I'm, just, I'm just here to tell you that one word from God can change your life. Can change your life. One word today makes all the difference of what happens even a year from now or two years from now. One word from God. What has he spoken to your heart? What has he brought up to you out of the word? What has he brought to you maybe through somebody else, through conversation that you have had with them? Do we ever stop sometimes and just go, wow, that's God. God was talking to me in that. And then 
take it to heart enough that we actually sit down and take a long, hard look at it and go, yes, yes, this is exactly what I need and this is what I will do. Because you will have to, you will have to make that choice. You have a choice, but you're going to have to make the right choice when God speaks to you. Will you hear and obey? You know, the word says if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Sometimes I, I have not been willing, and sometimes I have not been obedient. Sometimes I've been a combination of the both. You know, but you know, if, you, if you don't do it the way God says do it, you know, you're the one who suffers. And if you suffer enough, you'll finally get the idea that maybe it would have been a good idea to, to listen to him the first time. And that will change how you react the next time he talks to you and gives you a word. Well, anyway, I'll just stop with that. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.